Ignition sequence start. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Liftoff. Welcome to another episode of Take It to the Tips. I'm your host, Matt, along with Jeff, as always. What up, Jeff? What's up, Matt? Good oh, to be here. Sh- chilling, chilling as always. Anything new with you? Uh, uh, yeah, we're starting to reopen our, our, our YMCA location, which Ooh. I'm kind of in charge of. So I've been busy with that. So nice. I haven't been able to golf much. Nice. How about you? I have been able to golf and I have just lost it around the greens. Like, I don't know what's going on, but it's, it's, it hurts and it's just real bad. And it makes me not want to play. What chipping and putting? No, mostly chipping. Yeah. It's, it's a struggle. So I I was, I played nine today and it was just, I'm not, I'm not going to rant and rave, but it was bad. I spent some time on the chipping green afterwards, and I think I got some stuff figured out. But we'll see. We'll see. What are you doing? What, what are you doing? I feel like I'm just like not thinking when I'm doing these things. So are you like scolding the ball? No, I'm just not getting. I'm just not getting the ball close enough to the hole, which is leading that's, to that's like important. I mean, that's important in golf, which is leading too. to difficult putts, right? And scoring is not going well. But we'll see if I get it figured out. Nobody cares about my golf game. <laughs> but I, I do. <laughs> and it's bad. And the people playing with you do. Because they don't they don't want to have to watch that. Yeah. But see, the thing is, from like T to fairway is good. And then after that, if I don't get it on the I haven't been hitting a lot of greens either. Which further leads to the problem. So T to fairway is good. What, I'll tell you what, though. Golfing with somebody that is struggling with their short game and chipping in sp- particular is really painful. Uh, shout out pops. So I golf <laughs> with my dad a lot and he's just like a wreck around the green. He'll, he'll putt it from 20 yards off the green. No joke. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've seen him putt out of a bunker before and it nice. do it rather successfully, but it's just painful because you get, you do all that work to get close to the green and you just can't do those little things like chip. Yeah, it's, it's very it's, frustrating. Oh, 100%. And then everybody else is staying on the green, and you're just trying to get there. Like, I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> and yeah. you've got to walk across the green to the ball. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. yeah, but hopefully, hopefully I have something figured out. It was going well after the round today, so we'll right. see. Anyway, um, <laughs> nothing else really new. I had a little bout of, I think, a little golfer's elbow last week, but I got that taken care of real quick. We're all good now because I played like you know, 36 holes last Saturday. And then I was feeling it like that Monday and Tuesday and really painful when I was like trying to do manuals on people, but now Mm -hmm. it's, we're all good. I've got the same thing, but it's from like, it's baby elbow. I'm literally just like, and my baby's getting bigger. Like he's 13 or 14 pounds right now, which is pretty large. Um, But when you hold him in one position and don't move your elbow for a long time, you're putting a lot of excessive stress just in one position, you know, with that muscle locked into one position. So I'm definitely getting something called baby's elbow right now. Is baby's um, elbow a thing? No, yes. but I have, I've treated probably four or five different people for different ailments right after they have a kid because they're holding them so long. Interesting. Got to coin it. Yep. It's a real thing. All right. Anyway, back to golf. Uh, so make sure you follow us on the socials, Facebook and YouTube. 
if you want to see our face, I'm not going to put this one on YouTube. We're in no condition for that. But right. anyway, DM golf, Twitter at Doc Marags, IG and TikTok at Doc, at Doc Marags Golf. And Jeff, where are you at? At Jeff Kurtz DPT on Twitter. On Twitter and only Twitter. All right. So last show, we did just some tips and strategies for a more well-rounded golf game, um, stuff I probably haven't been, <laughs> been following recently. Um, but check that out. I think there's some good info there to help you guys and just – whether it be health related or just mentally related as you're playing the game, uh, some good info there. And then this week is diving into the back. Yeah. Uh, this will probably take up two two shows just because of how extensive it is. I think next week we'll probably look at a case study or two, um, maybe a golfer and maybe a non-golfer just so we can talk low back pain outside of the realm of golf, because I think a lot of people that have low back pain when they golf also have low back pain when they're just sitting around doing nothing. Yes. So that's kind of what we'll probably get into to start initially. Um, so this show is back pain. So let's dive into just some kind of general stats on the back, back pain in the population, not even in golfers, like you said right now. And uh, we'll go from there. So what do you got? All right. So, um, Approximately 80% of individuals will have low back pain at some point in their lifetime. Um, you know, it's one of the largest reasons that there's a large healthcare spending right now. So low back pain treatment actually accounts for 25% of healthcare spending, uh, which is crazy when you consider that those are also taking into account heart conditions, cancer, diabetes, and low back pain is a quarter of healthcare spending, which is just crazy. Now, the things that account for that are really expensive um, imaging, MRI, x-rays. X-rays aren't too expensive, but MRI specifically are expensive. Um, all of those you know, steroid drugs that, that usually get prescribed to people the second they say they have low back pain. Um, and the tiny blip on the radar is physical therapy services, because in relation to a lot of some of those other tr treatment options, um, injections, MRIs, it's fairly uh, inexpensive compared to all those things. So that's why we always say get PT first, first of all, so you can avoid those unnecessary MRIs and injections, but also to save the healthcare a little bit of money. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's one thing that I feel like I'm seeing it changing a little bit more now is that they're not willy-nilly throwing people in MRI machines and forcing that health costs on the population. Basically they're at least making people try physical therapy first before. Um, Cause most of the time we know that with back pain, there's nothing serious going on. So uh, if they fail physical therapy, sure. Then there's maybe a reason to go get an MRI or something like that. But for the most part, we know that typically there's nothing serious going on in the back. Yeah. Um, in the outpatient clinic that I work at, I see a lot of people that come with x-ray results and not necessarily MRI results because some of the insurance companies are now requiring that people get PT before they even get that MRI. So I'll have people come and be like, oh, I'm just here so I can get my MRI, um, yeah. which is frustrating because you got to buy into PT a little bit in order for it to work just like mm -hmm. anything. Um, but yeah, we're starting to, you know, I think people are coming around on the idea that MRI results are not always exactly what is going on in your back. So if you're getting back pain, it might not be because you have some bulging disc that shows up on your MRI. That bulging disc may have been there before you actually started to have back pain. Um, but then when you take a snapshot 
picture in time it shows something and you get scared because that showed up mm-hmm. but it might not be related yeah i mean typically the only times you're going to need an mri is like if you have relatively severe neurological signs stuff like a severe radiculopathy where you're having like really intense like burning kind of pain all the way down past the foot and again physical therapy if it's not working for it then an MRI might be warranted, um, something like cancers, fractures, infections, stuff like that. But there will be clinical signs that we as therapists would see that stuff isn't really adding up um, based on how you're presenting in a clinic, <clears throat> which, <clears throat> excuse me, which is causing, <laughs> which is giving you pain that isn't consistent with what's going on that we're seeing in the clinic. So like stuff that people say every single day, like, oh, I threw my back out or I have bulging disc. Realistically, most people, as you get older in age, are going to show that. And so by the time you get to like 30 years old, more than half the population is going to show some type of degeneration in MRI studies. And does that mean you're going to have pain? Absolutely not. Like, it's really just who's going to have pain, who's not. And there's no MRI evidence does not correlate to pain. Um, and I think that's something that most people don't know and don't, and would assume, Oh, if I have some type of degeneration in my back, I'm going to have pain, but that's just not what the data shows at all. Yeah. According to data, 87% of asymptomatic people have MRI or X-ray abnormalities, meaning that if you pluck somebody off the street, that's not having any back pain, this is generally over the age of 50, you referenced 30 years old, that's about 50%. But once Mm -hmm. you're 50, 87% of people that are not having back pain, if you gave them a free MRI or x-ray, they'd probably have some sort of abnormality, whether that's bulging disc, disc, like you said, um, disc degeneration, um, stenosis, any of those things could show up on people that don't have pain. Mm -hmm. So just because you get an MRI report that says you've got some issue with your back. It doesn't mean that you are destined to have low back pain. We also hear people that say, well, my dad had really bad back. My mom had a really bad back. We're starting to see that low back pain and other pain, knee pain, hip arthritis, those things are a lot less genetic. We're starting to realize and more lifestyle. So people that are overweight are probably going to deal more with, with knee pain or low back pain versus people that are healthy weights, um, not necessarily just because they have it in their family. They're, they're destined for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then just going back to the, some of the imaging findings that we find really quick, just bring it up as a chart. So essentially looking at the chart I have in front of me, by the time you get to the age of 50, 80% of people are going to show some type of disgeneration. 73% are going to show some type of kind of shortening or narrowing of their discs. 56% are going to show a shortening of their disc height and 60% are going to have some type of disc bulge, um, which we hear from people all the time as a bulging disc, obviously. So just like we're saying there, more than half the population when you're over 50 years old is going to show this kind of stuff. And it doesn't always mean that you're going to be having that pain. So just getting across that having those MRI findings does not necessarily mean that you have something seriously wrong with you realistically you're pretty normal honestly yeah you'll get those cases where people come in and have that ridiculous symptom down their leg and they get that mri and they have a bulging disc and those things correlate you know those things can happen we're not discrediting that 
you're not you don't have symptomatic bulging yeah. discs it's absolutely just, believe you're in pain yeah yeah um but in those cases those things can be fixed with conservative treatment so um surgery should always be your last resort so if anybody recommends surgery immediately you should question that and you should say is there anything else i can do instead of that yep yeah so then just getting into some some of the most common diagnoses of back pain so for the most part most of back pain there is no perfect diagnosis that it fits to it's more of that kind of non-specific mechanical back pain and people don't love to hear that but really it's I'd say it's more of a good thing that there's nothing serious going on. It's more just kind of some type of musculoskeletal abnormality that's going on that can relatively easily be fixed with kind of conservative treatment and physical therapy. Yeah. The hard thing with low back pain um, in my experience is that it can come in so many different forms. Some people will get shooting pains down their legs that maybe aren't necessarily neurological. You know, you can get muscle spasms that really affect your whole body and just kind of grab you. You can get muscle strains in your low back that, you know, it's scary. It can, you don't want to move. Low back pain is one of the hardest things to deal with. Um, You know, we hear all the time people use that term that you referenced. I threw my back out. Um, Your back is a really stable joint, your spine. You know, we wouldn't have all progressed to stand on two feet if our spines weren't strong enough to hold us upright. So you know, you hear all of these terms of, well, like a subluxation, like my back went out of place. According to research and according to all of the imaging that we have, that really doesn't happen very often. If it does, it's because it was something really traumatic um, or it involves an elderly person. But your back really doesn't go out of alignment that much. Uh, it's more so these muscle imbalances that you can get or symptoms on one side of your back that it just feels like it's out of place. And if you do get an x-ray and it looks like you've got some sort of scoliosis or something doesn't look in line, it again, could be because you're, you just moved your back to avoid a certain position because you're causing pain Yep, and it's more muscular. Yeah. And for the most part, uh, symptomatic scoliosis, like you're not just going to randomly develop scoliosis later on in life. That's not just going to happen. It's more so, like you said, there's going to be some type of muscular imbalances, like whether you had to use a cane for like a long time and you just hadn't been using it right. You can kind of throw your back a little quote unquote out of whack with that, but you're not just going to randomly develop scoliosis later on in life. Really. Yeah, you've, you've got two big kinds of scoliosis. You've got anatomical scoliosis, which is usually when you're developing you know, through puberty and you get those scoliosis screenings in middle school and they just check to see if it's curved or not. Then you've got physiological scoliosis, which is more so that what I was referring to is you hurt your back and all of a sudden you're holding it in an awkward position to avoid pain or um, that, that that can show up on an x-ray, but it's not actual anatomical scoliosis. So just be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. Any other big diagnoses that we really see? I'd say it's mostly just that kind of non-specific back pain, whether it's muscle imbalances, stuff like that, or kind of lumbar radiculopathies where people, patients that they come in, they're typically going to refer to it as that sciatica, um, whether where they'll get a lot of the, some of the same symptoms, but it's more so originating in their back versus that kind of sciatic nerve. 
Yeah, so the sciatic nerve is that nerve that travels down the back of your leg. That can get trapped sometimes, like kind of through the hip. Sometimes that muscle or that nerve will go through some muscles or some tight canals, and that's really what people refer to in, as sciatica. Real, that's real sciatica. A radiculopathy is usually the trap nerve inside of your low back. So, you know, I kind of cringe when I have everybody tell me they have sciatica because you probably don't. You probably have a radiculopathy, which originates in your back. And there's a few different reasons you can get that. You can get that because of something called spinal stenosis, which is just narrowing of that actual spinal column. Um, that's usually much older people. It usually goes down both of your legs. Um, I've got a traditional, you know, spinal stenosis right now goes down the front of both of her legs. Um, those are hard to treat just because it's age related, but then you've also got the other ones, which is more disc related diseases. Um, and those things do go away with the right exercise prescription and the right interventions. But those are the two big reasons why you could get symptoms down your legs. Yeah. And the reason why people refer to sciatica as like the same thing as radic. So you're going to get the same type of feelings, a lot of the same type of feelings with sciatica and with a radiculopathy. But like you said, the radiculopathy is obviously starting in the low back as the nerves kind of exit your spine and eventually go into that sciatic nerve and run down the leg. Um, while like you said, sciatica is more so trapping of that nerve between whether it be tight muscles or something else going on there. Um, so you get some, of, a lot of the similar uh, symptoms, but a trained therapist like ourselves will be able to differentiate if it's coming from just that nerve and some tight muscles, or if it's definitely coming from the back, pretty much what I've seen as well is mostly it's more so coming from the back than it is that nerve. Right. And we've talked about how difficult low back pain can be. And it's mostly because nerves come out of your low back and, and your upper back and your cervical spine. But um, that's why it's so difficult is because nerve pain can be presented a few different ways. You can get that burning sensation that you referenced. You can get numbness and tingling. Um, you can get muscle weakness when it's really progressed, or you can just get shooting pain. So, you know, nerves play a lot of weird roles in, in the symptoms that you get. So you certainly don't want to play around with nerve pain. So get it addressed quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. And just to kind of button that up, every nerve that is in your legs is coming out through that low back. So there's a lot of different stuff that can go on. Like you said, why it's so difficult is that all your nerves that are in the legs are originating out of that low back area. So um, that's why it's a little tricky, but we can figure it out for you. Right. Yep. Get it addressed early and it'll probably go away much faster. We really start to see problems when people have these issues for three plus months. That's when it's referred to as chronic pain. And it's a lot, a lot, a lot harder to get rid of it um, than if you just got it addressed quickly. Yeah. But yeah, I think a lot of the pain that the, the low back pain that I see in the clinic is more muscular related. And that's usually when somebody is bending and twisting to lift something and you feel that sharp pop or something. Um, and it, it just feels crappy to move. Yeah. So that's usually what we see. Yep. All right. What do you say we dive into some, you've already talked about some of the myths regarding back pain. Anything else you got really before that? Um, there was one, but now I'm forgetting what it was. I think it, it might've been the subluxation discussion, but gotcha. um, All right. one, of the, 
one of the big myths that we do hear a lot of people say is make sure you don't bend your back, like lift with your legs, everything like that. And I'll agree with that to some point. So if you're going to lift a heavy 100 pound box off the floor, bend your legs, utilize, you know, the larger muscles in your legs. But a lot of people I hear that hurt their back, hurt their back because they were picking up something really, really light where they twisted and lifted something lighter out of their car. Um, and the reason that those people tend to hurt their, their low backs is because they don't typically flex their low back throughout their dairy. So people that are really concerned about protecting their low back and never bend it, when you accidentally go and bend your back and you're not used to doing that, that's how you're going to hurt yourself. So one of the best things that we like to do as PTs is have people flex their back and lift heavy weights with their back when they're ready for it. So when I discharge people for low back pain, I usually try to have them lift 30 pounds off the floor by flexing their back. That's usually the criteria that I have for somebody to leave my care. Um, so the first thing I do for those people is get them to deadlift and Jefferson curl weights off the floor. The big difference between a deadlift, a traditional deadlift and a Jefferson curl, which I more utilize the Jefferson curl in the clinic is a Jefferson curl is when you allow your low back to bend forward and flex. Um, when people traditionally deadlift at the gym, you see them keep that straight neutral back. And that's fine. Again, if you're going to lift really heavy weights like that, but most people, when they go to pick up their golf ball off the ground, flex their back. So right now you should start flexing your back in ways that's not going to aggravate you. So start with low weights. Yeah, absolutely. So bending your back, your back likes to move. It likes to be loaded, which kind of brings me into my next myth of back pain is that when you hurt your back, you should rest it. When realistically relative rest at the most is all we would want for you. Um, we don't want you bedridden and just getting stiff and not doing anything because like I said, backs, Contrary to what people believe, if that their back is weak and it has all these problems, backs are very strong and they like to be active and they like to be loaded up. So having you laying in bed for days on end or going on more of an extreme example, but going on disability for work is one of the typically the worst things you can do for the back because you're not, you're not helping the problem at all. Because like I said, it likes to be by going in and resting for days and weeks at a time, you're really just reinforcing the pain mechanisms in your brain and then potentially bringing you into that chronic centralized pain, which is the hardest to eventually get people out of. Yeah. Most people will tell me I'm not, I'm not a chronic pain patient, but you know, you can get the biggest, strongest people and they, they're chronic pain patients. So chronic pain patients are ones where their actual nervous system changes because they've been in pain for so long that their nervous system is even more heightened and more sensitive to these things. So something that previously wouldn't bother them, like just moving their back all of a sudden is bothering them. And all of the pain that you are experiencing is coming from your brain. That's what's important to understand. That's why some people have MRI abnormalities, but don't feel it is because, you know, there's no, your brain's basically not aware of that abnormality. So it's the same thing with some pain that you get with chronic pain is the actual tissue damage might be healed because it typically takes maybe six to eight weeks for a muscle strain to heal. But some people that are dealing with pain for a lot longer than that, the tissue damage has healed, but their brain is still 
is transmitting those those painful stimuli. So, yeah. No, chronic pain. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Cr- chronic pain is just hard to get rid of. So, um, stay moving, stay active, continue to get that blood flow to that area, and don't just rest up all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next myth that I have is that do you feel that people on uh, with back pain need like prescription drugs to get out of their back pain? Is that necessary? No, it's not necessary. Um, it can be helpful in the short term for like a really, really irritable, acute low back um, mm-hmm. or any injury. But really, the according to research, there's no big difference between taking an NSAID, which is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug for pain versus the hardcore opioid steroids. That's exactly what I wanted you to say, because that's exactly what I had on my notes. Boom. It's like we went to school together. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. Any other myths that you got at the moment? Yeah. uh, I have a weak core. Um, We hear so many people get that. And a lot of the referrals I get from physicians say core strengthening first and foremost. Um, But there's some misconceptions about what core strengthening is. So if you refer to your core, you're most likely referring to everything around your abdominals plus your low back extensors. And I think, but everybody kind of thinks about their abdominals. I need to do more crunches. I need to do more planks. What you don't realize, or if you think about it, you'd realize it, but most people don't. Your abdominal muscles help you get up out of bed. They help you sit up. Your abdominal muscles do not help you bend down towards the floor. And your abdominal muscles do not help you stand back up from bending down off the floor. It's your low back extensors that help you do all of that. So if that's when you're getting your pain is when you're bending down, then why are we working our abdominal muscles? You should be working the opposite. You should be working your lumbar extensors. Think about Superman's or deadlifts or like the Roman chair, if you're familiar with that, that at the gym, that's what people should be using. But again, everybody's so afraid to exercise their low backs that they stay away from that. And that's how they get injured all the time. Um, sure. You might have a weak core, but if you have low back pain, that's not the first thing you should be going after. It should be those low back extensors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, just looking at some of the golf related research on the back that we'll get into a little bit later, basically some of the bigger ones you want to focus on are not just your abdominal muscles that like you said is assumed to be the core but you're looking at obviously your obliques too which are more so part of your abdominal muscles and then you have your rectus spinae muscles which are in your back and then things like your multi multifidus which the rectus spinae and multifidus have been shown to be big um big muscles and are key to uh golfers and whether or not they they're going to have back pain or not um actually there's a study with uh our old boy sullivan who did one with that so mm-hmm. peter O'Sullivan. Up later. oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah that'll be coming up later great yeah uh one real quick drop that we wanted to make was about posture um posture is not as big of a deal as people make it out to be so if you sit for a long time um it's more important that you get up every so often rather than you sit with your shoulders back and your core tightened and, and all that stuff. It's more important that you just move frequently rather than sit with a perfect posture. Anything else myth wise before we dive into some like treatments and such. Nope. Nope. Let's move on. Sick. All right. So treatment wise, considering for the most part that in back pain, there's not a lot of, for the most part, like we said, it's not going to be a severe diagnosis. 
or any type of severe injury that you're dealing with, though we do believe you that you're in pain. Absolutely, 100%. But for the most part, since there's nothing severe going on, what's going to be really helpful is just letting people know that they don't have anything severe going on. So giving people that reassurance that they didn't put their back out of place or throw their back out or anything like that is going to be very helpful in addition to some of that, uh, the exercises, whether it be strengthening activity, mobility activity, that's also going to help, but just giving people that reassurance that there's nothing serious going on is also very critical. Yeah. One of the most important drivers in any sort of musculoskeletal condition is fear. Um, and most specifically in low back pain. Fear is an important driver just because it keeps everybody from moving. You know, I'm afraid to move my back because it hurts when I do that. Um, and then all of a sudden you stop moving your low back. And then when you go to move it in six weeks, it hurts because you haven't moved it in six weeks. I like to tell people that imagine you bent your elbow as far as it could, goes and held it there for six weeks. When we started to move that elbow out of that position, you'd feel a lot of discomfort and a lot of tightness. Same thing with your low back. If you sit there with your low back all tense, tensed up and tightened up, and then you come to see me after six weeks of low back pain and I ask you to move it, it's going to hurt because you haven't moved it. So keep it moving, keep it active. And that's like you said, one of the first things I like to tell my patients is you're going to be okay. Let's just get it moving. Absolutely. And then besides that, we're going to, in evaluations, we're going to find really what's going on, whether it be muscle weakness, uh, hypomobility. So if your back isn't really moving, moving the best and there's um, some ways that we can get you moving a little bit smoother and more efficiently, we're going to find the main issues and then basically treat it. So there's no, especially with the back, there's no one approach that we're going to do every single time. There's no really cookie cutter approach for back pain. We're going to find what's going on. It's going to be different for most people and then treat it. So uh, you just got to have confidence in that. We know what we're doing, which I, I feel like we do. <laughs> and then going from there. I think we're better now than we were five or 10 years ago and we'll be better in five or 10 years from now than we are now. But, um, you know, right now we're the most advanced in, in what we know. So, um, yeah, we know what we're doing. <laughs> We'd like to think we do. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. But just staying up to date with all the research, um, doing conferences, doing TPI certifications like Jeff has, eventually I'll get mine. Uh, that's going to keep us up to date and be able to treat you guys, the listeners, the best that we can. And obviously, like we say all the time, if you have any questions, if you're having something going on with your back, feel free to jump at us, <laughs> jump at us, send us something in and just let us know what's going on. We can probably help you. There's a lot that we can do just, um, just over social media. So <laughs> Yeah. In speaking about low back pain, we said that a lot of this is like muscle strains and muscle, you know, issues like that. A muscle strain in your low back is pretty similar to a muscle strain anywhere else, right? The only difference is that it's in your low back and it might feel like, like it might refer down into your butt or something. And that starts to get scary, but it's a muscle strain. It's going to go away. You just need to like you said, rest it relatively and then start to load it up like we would any other muscle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like when you think of a muscle strain for any other muscle, are you, are you going to lay in bed for days and weeks because you have a muscle strain? Probably not. You're probably going to try and work through it. And that's same kind of thing with the back. Like you said, it's just like any other muscle strain. It's nothing special. Calm it down, load it back up. Good to go. Yeah. We, we talked about the ridiculopathy, which is more nerve pain. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing I want to say about that is with nerve pain, some people might 
experience what's called a directional preference. That's where they start to bend forward and their symptoms start to come back up their legs rather than go down their legs. Um, or they might bend backwards and they get the same effect. So somebody that can identify a directional preference when they're having neurological symptoms like that has been shown to have exponentially better results than somebody that doesn't have one of those things. So those things can be treated with physical therapy and with exercise as well. Um, but you want to get it early um, and you want to stay moving with those things as well. It's just moving a little bit more specifically because you don't want to keep stressing a nerve in the wrong way. So go and find your professional if you're having those issues. More for so. sure. For sure. Uh, should we get into golfers a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, so getting into back pain in golfers, um, common, common stuff we're going to see with golfers is common stuff that we're going to see with everyday people. So bending, twisting, the typical things that are involved in your golf swing, as well as something so easy as picking up a golf ball. Like Jeff said, a lot of the times when things are going to break down, it's because you're doing things when you don't really care and you just bend and twist with it whichever way the back doesn't like it and you start to get a little back pain. So if you're standing on one foot, I don't even know what you're doing, picking up your ball some crazy way, bending around the flag because you don't want to get in somebody's line. You might throw out the back a little bit, not throw it out, but just have a little bit of pain. Um, so that's some, just some common stuff that's going to go on in a golfer. Um, but mainly we're looking at how the swing and that kind of whole chain that we've talked about previously how that breaks down and it's going to cause back pain in players. It's important to realize that even though golfers get a bad rap as not being athletes, a golf swing is one of the most ballistic movements in sports. You know, you're creating velocities up to hundreds of miles per hour. So that puts a lot of stress on your low back, your hips, your middle back. That's a lot of stress. It's a lot of force going through your body let's say all of a sudden you duff one, you know, that's a hundred mile an hour swing. If you're lucky hitting the ground and just stopping. Um, if you're, if you have some swing characteristics where you're starting to put a little bit more stress on certain parts of your body, you're putting excessive amounts of force on that part of your body. So if things start to break down and you're going to stress parts of your body more than others, then that's going to happen a hundred times because you swing a hundred times around. Um, and at high velocities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so getting into some of the research that I found a little bit for golfers. So realistically, there's not a lot of research specifically on uh, swing characteristics in golfers and what does cause the back pain and what doesn't and in golfers with and without low back pain. So there's definitely some work to be done there. Um, did kind of say that there's going to be some differences in like firing patterns of muscles and efficiency of how, how well golfers can put together their swing and use those firing patterns correctly. But again, they, there's not a lot of work being done on golfers with and without low back pain in that kind of area, unfortunately, but some of the higher quality studies with our boy O'Sullivan, honestly, to be honest, I don't know if it's Peter O'Sullivan, but it's O'Sullivan and it's dealing with the back. So I'm assuming. Probably. There's only there's only one other O'Sullivan that I'm aware of, and that's Kieran O'Sullivan, and I know he does a lot in low back too. But yeah. they're both kind of out of the same thoughts and and um, like academy. So 
yes. they have the same they have the same ideas see so yeah, kind of getting into what i was talking about before with the core so whichever o'sullivan was they found that deep trunk musculature so the core essentially we're looking at your abs but not only your abs we're looking at the obliques erector spinae and multifidus your erector spinae and multifidus are both kind of more so on the back abs and obliques are more so on your front so if there's weakness and or poor endurance there that showed more of a tendency for golfers to have back pain down the road and i mean that makes a ton of sense if you're weak in those muscles, you're going to be putting a lot more strain directly on the spine itself. Endurance wise, if you don't have a lot of endurance with some weakness, like you said, you're going to be swinging. If you're decent, maybe you say you put like 35 times. That's not really that good. Say you put like 30 times and you're going to swing. If you're an average Joe, like me, I don't know, based on how I'm playing recently, I don't know, 60 full shots because I'm playing like trash. That's what puts me at about a 90. So you're doing the swing pattern over and over again, and you don't have the strength or endurance in those muscles to keep you going and lasting throughout a round. That's a problem. And the back can break down and eventually you get that back pain. And it's not just your full swings. It's the, some people take three practice swings. So for 60 shots, for 60 shots and three practice swings per shot, that's 180 swings. Then somebody hits 20 golf balls off the uh, range beforehand. That's 200 swings you took. Then you're carrying your bag or you're pushing your bag or you're walking. Um, Now you've got another load that's being put on your body. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's multiple things. Yeah, absolutely. But basically what that article had to say is, which makes sense, but the people need to hear it. If you have a strong core that can hold up um, with loads, whether you're deadlifting or squatting, if you have a strong core, strong legs, the better chances you're going to have of being healthy, which brings us back to somebody like Bryson, who is, we've talked about him before, who's bettering his body. And the whole narrative around him is that when is he going to get hurt? And then, like we said, why does he have to get hurt when he's one of the few that is really pushing his body and making sure he is as strong as possible, well-rounded. And I just, we've said it before. I don't see any reason why he's somebody that would have a higher risk of injury. Yeah. It's important to realize that what Bryson's doing is not just performance-based. He is strengthening for, you know, injury prevention. It's it, if the guy's got stronger glutes and stronger muscles around his core, because the glutes are a very important muscle. In addition to that, why aren't you going to be less risk averse? I mean, it doesn't make sense to me why that would make you more, you know, at risk of injury. If you're stronger, yeah. it should be the opposite. You're less likely to get hurt because you're strong and you're prepared for that swing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never understood the whole narrative. I've been fighting against it whenever I can. So Bryson, I'm here for you, man. I'm here for you. I don't love some of your tactics, but I'm here for you. At Doc Mraggs at Twitter, you can see him sticking up for Bryce. Come on down, buddy. Even though I rip you sometimes too, but you deserve it. Yes. So I think that study would probably carry over to basically every muscle group in your body. If you've got strong glutes, you're less likely to hurt your low back because that's all connected. We've talked about how your whole body is doing one job together. So if you've got flaws in your upper back or your hips, you're going to leave your low back 
at high risk of injury because it's got to kind of compensate for those flaws. Mm-hmm. If you, that's why, you know, I've talked about it before people with low back pain. One of the first things I'll do is in terms of golfers, I'll look at their upper back and their hips because the low back is typically the scapegoat um, for something else going on. It's not likely, it's, it's less likely that your low back is the problem. It's more likely that it's some else, something else. And your low back is just kind of, you know, unfortunately taking the brunt of the force. Yep. Yeah. I actually just had a lady a couple of weeks ago. She had a lot of back pain, just like I said before, generalized low back pain, looking at the strength of her hips and her glutes were sorry, lady, you're never going to know her glutes were a joke. Like they, she couldn't bear like any resistance against me, even though she works out like three times a week, has a personal trainer. I was like, I don't know what they're doing for you, but, uh, we got her good to go in like two and a half weeks, three weeks. Um, so yeah, it's not always the back. It's not always the back's fault. There's other things going on. If your back is sitting on a weak base, that's a problem. Yeah. Low back and hip pain is so intermingled that a lot of, I always screen the hips. If I have somebody coming with a low back pain yep. and that's not golf specific, it's just anybody. Uh, any but, other big things you had going on? Yeah. So there's, there's usually like three big reasons that somebody could hurt their back during golf and it's really swing characteristics, whether that's, um, you know, you're just, your swing is off and you're not swinging the correct way. Or if that's anatomically driven, like I can't rotate my back. So I'm going to do this to compensate. That's a big reason why people get low back pain. So one of the big reasons is something called reverse spine angle or something called S posture. S posture is where you kind of anteriorly pelvic tilt. So you kind of make your S look like a spine. You're going to have a hard time rotating if your spine is in that position. So that's one of the swing characteristics we associate with low back pain. The reverse spine angle is one when somebody takes their back swing and they actually bend towards their target to get a little bit more false rotation that's going to just put excessive stress on their lead low back. Um, So swing characteristics are one of the reasons that some people get golf related low back pain. Improper club fitting. If you've got clubs that are too short for you or too long for you, um, or even if you just grip the club in your fingertips rather than kind of more so in the balls of your hands and the palms of your hands, you're going to change the length of that club and you might make some compensations with, with your club. So you know, if this is a problem for you, low back pain chronically with, with golf, then get your clubs fit and make sure they're, they're the right size. It's fairly easy to do. And the last thing would be body flaws, you know, just something where you're a weekend warrior, your body doesn't move well. So every time you go out and golf, then your, your body's just faulting you. So those are the big three reasons that I think people get golf related low back pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just looking at the one you talked about swing characteristics, I was looking at uh, some other articles on that and the one systematic review I looked at, which is for the people out there, that's one of the highest quality research articles you can find. Um, they said kind of the same exact thing, reverse spine angle and, and then hyperextension in their follow through. Mm-hmm. Is that what you meant by like with the pelvic tilt there or was that something else no. different? So, so the pelvic tilt is one, the, the S posture is a setup issue. So that's when you're set up and you have an anterior pelvic tilt. There's also one called C posture where you just basically have excessive 
thoracic kyphosis. It basically is just like rounding of your upper back. Gotcha. That's yeah, another so, reason why somebody couldn't rotate. Gotcha. Yeah. So they were mentioning along with the reverse spine angle is just hyperextension, too much extension in the follow through. So you're coming through and then basically leaning back um, as your kind of hands are above your head and you're kind of finishing off the swing. There's just too much leaning back with that hyperextension there, which is another kind of swing fault they they found that was a, a proponent for low back pain. And I think that's something that you can relatively easily fix. Well, I kind of disagree with you. I kind of disagree with you on that. I don't know that any Joe Schmo golfer could pick that out from yeah. themselves and yeah, identify yeah. and say, I'm going to fix that. That's something that you can get from a physical therapist. I'll take a high speed camera and record somebody and see if I see anything drastic like that. If somebody's really struggling with low back pain. And if they are, then I'll work on some of the things that can lead to those swing characteristics. Like if somebody has reverse spine angle because they can't rotate their upper back, I'll work on their upper back. But if that's a swing characteristic that they've just developed, then I might have them talk to a golf pro. I just find it hard to believe that somebody could self-identify a swing characteristic. Yeah, I can see that. And when I say swing characteristics, it's not necessarily a swing fault. There's guys on the pro tour that do some of that reverse spine angle. There's some people that early extend it or, or scoop or any of those things. Um, it's going to lead you at a higher risk of injury, but a lot of people golf successfully with those swing characteristics because that's how their body's built. So yep. just because somebody has one of those, it doesn't mean you, it doesn't mean you have to get it fixed. It's just, it could contribute to what you're, what you're feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. And what I was going to say is pretty much just because you have those swing characteristics doesn't mean it's going to be a problem. It only becomes a problem when it's a problem, basically. Yeah. When things break down. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then anything else you got going into like treatments of for golfers specifically, anything that you have, I have a couple, but not specifically, no, just go and see the right person for it, whether yep. it's a TPI certified professional or just any other, you know, movement specialist. Yeah. I think generally, like we said, you're going to want a strong core, but besides that building up your lower extremities, so strong quads, hammies, glutes, stuff like that, which makes sense. Some of the big ones you could do for that squats, deadlifts, obviously make sure you're doing them correctly. But besides that, just load them up. That's what you got to do. Load them up and then doing activity that is relevant to a golf swing. Like you said before, a golf swing is a very explosive ballistic movement. So if you want to train that specific movement, you have to do high intensity activities that are going to recreate that movement stuff like plyometrics, um, things like that. Additionally, just looking at like balance exercises. I talked about this previously that it's not something that people talk about with the swing, but you need to be stable and be on balance throughout the swing. Otherwise the swing can break down. You could have gravity shots. You could have pain if you're not stable. Um, and then, yeah, there's some of the big ones, but they obviously make sense and they're, they make sense to us, but they're areas that need to be addressed. So you're not as at risk for some back pain or any other kind of pain. Yeah. With golfers specifically, I might focus more on rotation than I do with any other general person. Mm. Um, you know, it's important to remember that golfers are people too. They have lives outside of golf. So some of their pain that they're getting might be non-golf related and they just feel it during golf because it's another movement and they're bothering their back. So, um, 
but I'll still look probably more at rotation with a golfer. If it's really, I just feel pain with golf, then, then yeah, I'll look at rotation more. For sure. Yeah. All right. Anything else you got on the back? I feel like we dropped, it went for what? Almost an hour. This is almost an hour. Yeah. This is yeah. our longest one. Yeah, for sure. Anything else you got on the back right now before we dive into like a case study next week? No, I don't I wonder, think so. I wonder who that case study is going to be. What do you think? I don't know if there's any really big high profile golfers that have struggled with low back pain. No, I have no idea either. We'll, we'll um, have to rack our brains, see if we can find somebody. Yeah, somebody that. somebody shoot us out some names. Um, we'll see if we can figure one out. And uh, maybe we'll have a show for you next week. I don't know. All right. Sound Sounds good. good. Anything else? No. No. All right. Sick. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Always follow us on the socials. I'm not going to list them again. Um, but, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Good stuff. And we will see you next week. Tiger Woods. Later. Ignition Bye. sequence start. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Liftoff.